It's wonderful to be with you this morning as we're journeying throughout this summer. Our sermon series has focused on being surprised by God, being surprised by how God provides for us, being surprised by God's goodness, which is more than anything for which we could ask or imagine. And we need that each day because some of us walk around each day in insecurity and anxiety. We walk around waiting for something else to go wrong. We walk around knowing that if this happens, that we have no answer and no solution and nothing's going to be right if, if this happens. And we live like that. And with you, when you live like that, when you live with that low-grade anxiety, it pulls you down and pulls you down, and it takes and away a lot of the joy out of life, and that's not how God created us to live. So we need to allow ourselves to be surprised. Surprised by God's goodness, surprised by God's generosity, surprised by God's provision. But one of the best ways to be surprised each day is to read your Bible and pray each day. If you don't already do so, we'd encourage you to be a part of our Bible reading plan. Uh, it's a short passage each day that goes along with the topics of the sermons. It has been prayerfully selected by our devotional team, and they, they do an amazing job with this ministry. You can pick up a Bible reading plan at the Information Center in the lobby, or you can find it online at Concord United slash Bible. Also at Concord United slash Bible, you can find a daily devotion that you can sign up for uh, by email or podcast. It's written by church members, by pastors, by church staff, and it's going to take you deeper into the Scriptures and give you a focus for your prayer time. I cannot encourage you enough to do that because sometimes we hear these things about God and we think, oh yeah, I know that, and we don't really let it seep in. We don't let it go from our head to our heart and transform our lives. And today, our Scripture passage is one of those that often doesn't get enough attention doesn't get enough attention by Bible scholars, doesn't get enough attention uh, from uh, those of us in the pulpit because it's at the very end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Paul's wrapping up Paul's letter, and sometimes we think these words at the end that they're just, you know, just empty phrases that you say. But we actually say them for an important reason. You probably have people who say certain things to you every time you end a conversation. I, I know people who every time you end a conversation with them, they say something like, glad you got to see me. Or, I, you know some of those people. Uh, I, I, know, I know people in my family who it doesn't matter if you are driving one mile down the roads to Weigel's to get a Coke. They're going to tell you before you go, now you be safe as you travel. Okay, now, now be safe. That's because they care. If you come to traditional worship, you'll notice every time when I give the benediction, I always close it with the same phrase. I say, and as you go, uh, may those in this world to whom love is a stranger find in you most generous friends. I do that because I mean it. Because there are people in this world to whom love is a stranger. And some of you know some of those people. In fact, all of you know some of those people. Some of you don't know that those people are those people. But they come to my office and they tell me. And they tell me how hard it is for them to darken the door of the church because they're scared they'll be judged instead of accepted. How, how they think God wants nothing to do with them because the people in their life who were supposed to take care of them never did and abandoned them. And uh, they haven't had all the love that many of us have had in our upbringing. And the greatest need in their life is friendship. 
And they need to be befriended by people who can teach them how to form a friendship with Jesus Christ. That's why I say that every day. Paul says this at the very end of his letter, and it's very important for us. I want to read it to you. This is Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Share that again. My God will fully satisfy every need of yours, Pastor Mike, every need according to his riches and glory. Now, today we're celebrating how surprising God's grace is, how surprising God's generosity is, that God always provides with God's generosity. God, I've seen this in my life. I've seen it in my family. Due to God's generosity, my mother survived my teenage years. Uh, somehow, she made it through. And with, within that, she used to tell me in those moments when she was exasperated, she'd say, Will, I, I don't like to raise my voice. So I need you to know that when I repeat something three times, I'm yelling at you. I would now like to remind you that I have read the scripture to you twice already. <laughs> and I would like to share with you Philippians 4, 19 again. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Friends, I don't like to shout, but we need this shouted at us. I need this shouted at me because we walk around in this horrible insecurity that somehow we won't have what we need when we need it. That somehow God who has never abandoned us before will abandon us next time and will encounter something that we have no ability to get through and that is in no way accurate, that is in no way truthful, but it's what we walk around with, what we allow to live rent-free inside of our heads and it's been too long and we need to kick it out. So that's our God job today to allow God to kick that out of our heads and put his truth within our heads and within our hearts. So I want to just briefly today remind you of several truths of God. One that we struggle with particularly is that just because you can't manipulate life into satisfying all your wants doesn't mean God can't manage providing for all your needs. It's because we can't manipulate life. We have all these wants we want to manipulate. We want to make it happen just the way we want it, when, when we want it. That's not how it works. That's not how God designed creation. But that doesn't mean God can't manage providing for all of your needs. I remember one time facing a crisis in the community within which I was serving, and we weren't sure how we were going to get through it. I was serving a small town church in a rural county, and it was a very tight-knit community. We had an incredible pastor's association there. In that community, there were about five or six churches, and 80% of the people in the town went to those five or six churches. The biggest thing those five or six churches did together each year was we had a community Thanksgiving service, and we pulled everybody together, and we packed out a church, and we praised praised God together, and everyone looked forward to that service every year. It was the tradition in that small town that if one of the churches in town had a new pastor, that pastor would be invited to preach the Thanksgiving service. Well, one year, the Presbyterian church got a new pastor. Incredible pastor. 
gifted speaker, brilliant Bible scholar and theologian, had a heart for the church and for the community, there was one thing. She was the first female pastor uh, in this town's history that anyone could remember. And several of the churches who come from traditions uh, that uh, do not ordain women, uh, who I respect their tradition, I disagree, and I think they're wrong as the day is long about that particular Bible issue, they said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, we're the Methodist church. Uh, we, we believe strongly in women's as clergy. We'll host. And for some of the churches, that was enough. But there were several large prominent churches who the pastors said, we won't attend. And we won't tell our people to attend if she's asked to preach. Now, this pastor, she had moved 2,000 miles across the country to pastor this church. Her family was 2,000 miles away, but she felt that God was calling her. She had a heart for this community, and the last thing she wanted to do was be divisive within this local community. And it was one of those towns where this was the big thing. We all went to the Friday night football games. And one time I had a community member come up to me and we're watching the game and they say, Pastor Will, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, it's fourth and 20. We're going to punt. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. And they said, no, about the Thanksgiving service. And I said, well, we're going to have a Thanksgiving service. And I remember as she called me as she was preparing her sermon in tears and she said, I just don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this with what it's caused within our community. And we determined that she would write this sermon like she writes every sermon, with prayer and, and with God's help. And the service came, and it was a great, not quite as many people there, but a lot of people there. And it was a great celebration. And she preached a great sermon. And there were even those pastors who, who did not come, but some of their members came. And I remember... Uh, one of their members saying to me after hearing uh, this clergy person preach, Pastor Will, I'm going back to my church, and I'm telling my pastor that as long as he boycotts the Thanksgiving service, my chicken casserole is boycotting the potlucks. <laughs> and over the years, there, there was growth, and there was, there, there was more acceptance, uh, but at the time, My friend, the Presbyterian pastor, didn't know how she would get through it. And we as a community didn't know how we would would navigate it uh, when some refused to to recognize the gifts of of others. But just because it doesn't all happen the way we want it to doesn't mean uh, that God can't manage to provide for our needs. And just because when you look at certain situations, you can't imagine how God will get you through it, doesn't mean God can't see you through it. When Paul said that God will provide for all your needs, he meant it. He wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. Lots of times when people go through very difficult things, we'll say something to them like, I can't imagine. I just, I I can't imagine what it's like to go through that. And we say that in order to show respect. We say that 
in order to say, I haven't been through exactly what you're going through. And I want you to know that I respect the depth of the struggle that you are encountering. And I haven't been through that exactly. And I just want you to be honored and respected in my sight. That's how, why we say the phrase, I can't imagine. The problem with the phrase is that sometimes when we say it internally, we're thinking not only I can't imagine, but we're thinking, and I couldn't get through it. And if that ever happened to me, I wouldn't survive. I would crumble. I would fall down and I would not get back up. That's, that's often what we're thinking when we say, I, I can't imagine. Many of us have been inspired this week by a situation we couldn't have imagined. Four children survived a plane crash in the Amazon jungle in Colombia, and no adults survived. They lost their mother in the wreckage, but they survived. A 13-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, and an 11-month-old. And recently, after 40 days in the jungle, they were found. They were found alive. And particularly, the 13-year-old story is interesting. Her name is Leslie. All these children uh, are siblings, and they were all raised in an indigenous tribe within the jungle. It's not one of the tribes that is completely isolated from all technology. They, they were on, a plane, on, a, on an airplane, but they are isolated from most technology, and they, they still live by the ways of the jungle that their ancestors have learned and passed down over generation to generation. So Leslie was much better prepared infinitely better prepared for that situation than you or I, but I can't imagine that two months ago she thought she was ever going to be in that situation, and I can't imagine that she would have thought, if I lose my mother in a plane crash and I have to take care of others for over a month in the wilderness with no guarantee that we'll be found, I can't imagine that she could have imagined that or been ready for it. And yet what happened? What happened was she made it. She kept an 11-a-month-old alive. She knew because she'd been taught by grandparents and aunts and uncles and parents, she knew when the storms came how to find the hollowed-out trees where you could find shelter. She knew which plants were good for food and which ones were poisonous. She knew which animals were predators and how to tell if a predator was near and which animals were benign. And somehow she and all that group survived that just because she couldn't have imagined it didn't mean she didn't have what she needed. In fact, in that jungle that would seem to us like a place where it would be impossible for life to survive, everything that was necessary for their lives was right there. They just had to know how to access it. Everything was right there. For many of us, we go through times and we think this is going to destroy me. But everything we need, God's put right there. God's put right there around us. The question for us is, have we learned enough to be able to see it? Have we learned enough to be able to access it? Have we become sensitive enough to God's spirit to know when God is near, just as Leslie knew when animals were near? Have we become sensitive enough to God's provision to know when God is providing, just as she knew when there was food nearby that was provided for her and not only did God provide in the jungle, but God provided the rescuers. And God provided particularly leaders who didn't give up even after a month. 
I heard an interview uh, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oscar Carzon, uh, who was one of the leaders of the rescue effort. And he said, we never doubted that we would find them and that they were alive. We always held out hope. We believed that somehow it could happen. And it did. Just because you can't imagine it doesn't mean God can't see you through it. And finally, friends, just because you don't have the strength yet doesn't mean you won't have it when you need it. God never promises to give us the strength we need before we need it, but he promises to always give us the strength we need when we need it. Never beforehand, but when, when we need it. In a week's time, I'll go to Camp Wesley Woods, and I'll spend a week there as the minister in residence, basically the chaplain. I want to tell you a little secret about this week. Uh, I, I hope you will allow this, uh, once it's not a secret, to continue to take place. You pay me to play with kids in the mountains for a week. It's a pretty good gig if you can get it. It's a really good gig. And uh, in addition to climbing walls and hikes and kickball games and going to the pool, which is freezing cold, and I try not to get in it. Uh, but in addition to all of, of that, I give devotions. And I pray with the kids, lead, lead, lead worship ser services there. And as we look at that time, one of my favorite traditions there is called a night hike. And on a night hike, you hike the kids up to the top of the mountain, you sing songs until uh, their voices give out and until it gets completely dark. And then you tell them they're not allowed to turn on their flashlights and we're all going to hike back down together safely. And they look at you like you're crazy. Because it's so dark that even once your eyes adjust, you can't see your feet. But what happens is you have guides who've walked those trails a hundred times and you follow the person in front of you. And you get down there safely. And in all the years I've been going, I've never seen anything worse than a skinned knee on, on the way down that mountain. Why, why, why is that? Because everything you need is there. You don't know it, but everything you need is there. And you have the strength and you have the courage to do it, even though you didn't realize that you did. Just because you don't have the strength yet doesn't mean you won't when the time comes. Recently, I was sitting around a dinner table with five or six guys, and all of them fathers, all of them I knew before they were fathers. And we were talking about the journey towards fatherhood. For, for many of us, our children are getting into their teenage years. For a few of us, our children are in uh, their collegiate and young adult years. And one of them said something. He said, you know, I wonder if my kids realize that I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. And we all laughed. And then another said, but you know that's not really true. We don't always know the situations our kids will get in or what they'll need before it happens. But we've spent our lives being trained. We were trained by our fathers and our grandfathers. We were trained by the men who uh, volunteered with our youth groups and our athletic teams. We were trained by teachers and professors. We were trained by men who were ushers and parking lot greeters at the church. We, 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 we've been trained for situations just like this. And we all just nodded our heads. 
And some within that circle didn't have fathers who were active in their homes growing up. And some had fathers who weren't very good at expressing emotion and connecting deeply and intimately with their kids. But we all recognized that we'd had men who had done that for us. Uh, and we'd had women and others who, uh, mothers and aunts who had come around us and who had helped us understand children. And we had wives who had helped us uh, so that when the time came, we had what we needed. Uh, for some of us, uh, the first time we ever changed a diaper was the day our first baby was delivered. But we had what we need when, when we, we might have put the diaper on backwards, but it worked. It, it, it worked. It, 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 it did the job. Friends, it's like that for all of us. You're going to encounter those times. I've been encountering those times all, all my life. The first time I can remember encountering one of those times was when I began to embark upon one of those great challenges in life called middle school. I didn't think there was any way to navigate this big, scary school. And it turned out I have friends I've met there who are still friends in, in my life and, and some of the best memories from, from that time. Also some memories of being glad that that time doesn't last forever. But all throughout our lives, we're going to encounter those. And I imagine some of you today are encountering one of those seasons of life. If you come into my office, uh, there's a little plaque on, on the desk. And it says, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. The more I live life, the more I'm convinced that is true. If you live long enough, you know, there might be short seasons in your life where you're not fighting a hard battle and you learn just to appreciate those for what they are. Say, God, I thank you for this season. Thank you for allowing me to catch my breath. But you learn not to expect that, that everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle and that the joy and the peace, uh, the freedom that God wants to give us in this life is not an absence of difficulty. It's not an absence of struggle. It's not an absence of conflict. It's a peace that comes from knowing that God will provide in the midst of the struggle and that your blessing will be given to you in the midst of it. You may remember uh, the Old Testament story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob is the patron saint of high school wrestling. Because Jacob wrestled with God's angel. And even as his hip was put out of socket, he refused to let go until he received a blessing. That's what I want you to, to know. When you're going through those times and you can't see how you're going to get through it, refuse to let go until God provides. Because we'll, God will provide. God will provide for you as an individual. God will provide for us as a community of faith as we look at where we go into the future. And if you come next Sunday, yes, we're going back down to two services. No, we won't make a habit out of it. So yes, uh, we're going to be at 9 a.m. Uh, in, in here for traditional. Yes, we're going to be at 11 a.m. over there for contemporary. I promised last time this summer, this has just been an extraordinary month. Uh, but we need to talk about this trust of where we're going, where God is leading us. Because coming out of COVID, uh, we wondered, do we have a future? Uh, we, we wondered, uh, how will God use us? We wondered, how will we keep the lights on? And now we're wondering, how do we disciple all the new people who are rushing in these doors? Uh, how do we make sure there's space uh, for all, all of them? And we do that together as, as a community. Uh, that, that's not just something uh, that the pastor does. 
That's something that we are all a part of together. And the vision that I will share is not something just that I went in my office one day and I wrote down. It's something that's been prayed about and discussed and discerned by myself, by Pastor Larry, by Pastors Mike, Pastor Brooke, Pastor Sabina, uh, by many of our church leaders and, and staff. We'll talk about where, where God is leading us because God will always provide for us to accomplish our mission to make disciples by sharing Christ, serving others, and growing faith. God will always provide for that. So if you've been walking around in that anxiety that God's not going to provide, today's a good day to give it up. If, if you've been allowing that fear to live rent-free inside your head, today's the eviction notice day. It's time to say no more. It's time to say you're out. Don't come back because there's a better life that my heavenly father has in store for me. If you'd like to seek to discover that life, I'd invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Gracious God, so often we live in fear and yet your perfect love casts out fear. We do not seek to live, O oh Lord, with the inaccurate hope that life will be easy. But we seek to live in the assurance of the hope that you will provide for us no matter what may come, uh, no matter what life brings, that you will give us enough that we might, Lord, not only survive, but that we might thrive that we might not only make it to tomorrow, but that we might witness to your goodness today and tomorrow. God, we simply ask for your grace enough for this moment in this day. And we today trust you to provide for all our tomorrows. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we all said together, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.